When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everyone and welcome to a live edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Chris Beasy, joined by my colleague, Everton correspondent for the Echo, Joe Thomas, and our regular guest Gavin Buckland. Just before we start, I want to head preview um, tomorrow's trip to Brighton and Hove Albion. Just remind you that it's... Um, I did a very special edition of the Royal Blue podcast um, earlier this week um, when I went down to um, speak to the renowned sports artist um, Paul Trevelyan, gave his um, amazing thoughts some 87 years on, I must add, on uh, Everton legend uh, Dixie Dean and the anniversary of that game was yesterday. I mean, podcast, thankfully, been very well received and I'd implore you all to give that one a listen. There's not too much of me on it. Um, I'm there with him. It's mainly Paul Trevelyan. But uh, incredible memories of, of Dixie and it's got the seal of approval, no doubt, from uh, Dixie's own daughter and granddaughter who've, who've taken her in and Melanie Prentice's granddaughter. She absolutely loves it. So I think for football fans of any persuasion, really, to give that one a go with Paul Possible, but um, as we talk, get back to contemporary matters, Joe, you were at um, Finch Farm yesterday to, to to speak to Sean Dykes, previewing this fixture and uh, some interesting uh, comments from the manager. He, he he spoke about for the first time. Um, he admitted that you know the, the points deduction could be playing on the minds of the players. Yeah, absolutely. I think probably an important part. Bearing in mind we're live, and I mean we're just at lunchtime now yeah. on, on Friday. Probably worth starting by saying that. At the moment, there's been no there's been no verdict on 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 the points appeal just yet. So uh, at the moment, I mean, the fact that we're sat down here suggests that we're not scrambling around to write anything at this stage. So yeah, we're getting towards the end of a of another week without an answer. Obviously, yeah, there is still potential for that to change over the next few hours. But you know, I mean. Where we end up, I'm not entirely sure myself and Chris heading down to Brighton later. And I think both of us had this horrible vision of <laughs> filing on the road, on the, you know, driving down the M6, writing pieces about whatever the outcome is. But yeah, hopefully that won't be the case. But having said that, no, um, you, you, you're perfectly right there, Chris. Spoke mm-hmm. to Sean Dyche, actually asked him about this. This was in the embargo mm-hmm. section. So this is after the cameras go off from what yeah. people see on live. And was asking about, well, actually my starting point, yeah. the question was saying, from your perspective, Sean, obviously I'm speaking on a Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Would you have any concerns about the answer to this coming out on the Friday, given the you know, the impact it could have on your preparations going to Saturday? Is Friday a bad time for this? Yeah. Um, because it's clearly something that's been weighing on the players' minds. And, yeah. and whilst Dyche acknowledges that for the first time in, in, in this interview, I think, let's be perfectly honest, common sense would tell us that that's always been the case. Uh, Dutch's answer was no. Football is ready for the outcome, um, including them. The, I mean, I think his verdict is that clarity is needed as soon as possible, um, because once everybody has clarity, they have a an idea as to what the state of play is and how we, what conditions after they're operating in. An outcome in this still doesn't lead to an end of uncertainty because we no. have a second case, of course, coming. Mm. But at least gives us a little bit more guidance as to wherever in our um, as, 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 as we stand here right now and, and, and approach to kind of the final third of the season, as it were. But yeah, you're right there. Um, you know, Deitch acknowledged for 
the first time really that there's probably a psychological impact that the off-pitch uncertainty is having on his players. He says that their focus has been very good. Um, yeah, but he can only control so much. He can control what goes on on the training ground. He can control what goes on about kind of the health and care of, of the players around you know, the, in, in, in their wider lives as far as the club can have a say in that. Yeah. But what he can't do is he can't control what they're thinking as they drive to and from the training ground or, you know, when they wake up in the morning ahead of a game and things like that. And, you know, I, I think that that is just logical, to be perfectly honest. And it feels significant because he's saying this for the first time. The reaction's been quite interesting because obviously I've, you know, I've put it out there this morning and I've been surprised by how many people are saying that it's interesting he says this after what was, I think, we would all accept a yeah. really poor result and performance in a, in a big game. The first, probably the first time in a few months that you can actually question, genuinely question a Deitch side and its performance and, it, and its setup. Um, so there might be a few cynics amongst us. Um, maybe that is... So I, maybe that's an indictment of, of, of when Deitch opens up when it comes to being asked questions by the press because yeah. he's been asked this for a long time. And I think it's very clear that he, I think Deitch is an intelligent person and I think he approaches press conferences with an idea of what he's happy to say and what he's not happy to say. Mm. And I think as a result of that, he has a degree of control over when he releases certain bits um, the reality is it's probably had a psychological impact on the players from the very beginning. And, you know, if there'd been an acknowledgement of that more throughout the process, then perhaps there'd be less scepticism around releasing yeah. that information now. But ultimately, I, you know, I, I do think that it's something that's weighing on his mind, the player's mind, it's weighing on all of our mind. I think we could all, if we step back from any gameplay and actually understand, have sympathy and empathy with Deitch and the players, because, you know, we've probably all been in unfortunate positions where there's been uncertainty around what we're doing in our day jobs and in our lines of work, whatever they have to be, have been. Mm-hmm. And that isn't easy for anybody that's operating in those circumstances. Yeah, and we and we obviously welcome all your comments on this and of any other topics that we're going to discuss today, Gav. But uh, following on from what Joe says, uh, um, Gav, um, what do you think about that? The, the timing of this, it is interesting. Like as Joe says, it, it must be natural that it, it has been playing on the minds all this time, but to come out and make that admission now at this moment in time. Well, yeah, it'd be interesting to see why that's the case, but what we you know how the impacts affecting them. Is it just the fact that actually we've lost ten points and we've not got we des- what we deserve this season? Or is it um, because the 10 points is now forced into the relegation zone? And so we are now thinking with the psychology of a, a club in and around the relegation zone, like we were last season and the season before. You know, they're two completely different things, aren't they? Because if we were five points ahead of the relegation mm-hmm. zone, it's a different feeling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, but it's a 10 points. So we're disappointed. We should be, you know, we should be eighth rather than 15th or something like that. That's a, sli- that's a slightly different feeling, isn't it? A very different feeling to actually what this has done now is rather than being 12th, we're now in the relegation zone and we are now playing with the pressure of a relegate, you know, relegation yeah. threatened side. And I suspect it's the latter, yeah. uh, to be honest with you. I think I think it's 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 the position the 10-point deduction has put us in rather than the 10-point deduction per se. And you saw that on, I think you saw that on Monday all day long, didn't you? Yeah. That, that looked like a team that was, and because we were playing Palace as well, that was under pressure. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that is, an, and you can fully understand that. Uh, I don't think it's the, the 10 point deduction as such, it's the impact of the 10 point deduction. And I think so, that's one angle. And I think definitely that's definitely the case. You can see that on playing size. 
I, th- I think the other angle to this is the effect on dice. Mm-hmm. You know, does uncertainty and stuff like that. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that if he had an extra five points, he'd be looking at team selections slightly different on occasions, uh, tactics in games. Um, you know, I think that 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 is one thing at the end of the season. I think he'd probably look back and and, and say in review in the campaign, wherever we finish. In January and February, if I knew we were five points better off, I might have done something slightly different. Yeah. And I think, um, and I think that probably is also the other aspect of it. So I think there's two things: impact on players, impact on dice. But I definitely think the impact on players is there in plain sight. We are now in the relegation zone or in and around it, yeah. and we wouldn't be that wouldn't be in that position if we had the extra ten points. And uh, I can fully fully understand that. If we were further up the table. I think the ten point deduction impact is slightly different vibe to it, and and I fully agree with it, and that's fully understandable. Yeah, just come out there. I think in the rounds and the wider conversation, one of the things that Dyke just pointing to is is the fact that the ten points is applied immediately. Yeah. So I think he seems to suggest that it might have less of an impact if it was a uh, whilst the appeal was pending, the ten points remained on Evans' points tally. As opposed yeah. to now, because you again, it changes that mindset, doesn't it? It's the difference of going into Palace 12, five or six points clear of Palace and yeah. thinking, all right, we want to try and increase a buffer to the relegation zone. But psychologically, we haven't got that pressure of seeing Everton in and around that dotted line throughout this process. So I think you're, you're spot on there where you say it's probably the, it's it's almost the process of the deduction. Yeah. With yeah. What it means rather than the fact that it's off the pitch uncertainty. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's so I think, I think that's significant. I think you make a really valid point around selection and how that might have changed depending on how this process had been handled over recent months. I think there's probably less of an opportunity for reflection on that for for Deitch simply because if you look at for the last two months, we already know that he's got a very small squad and the injuries have probably meant that there hasn't actually been that much Mm -hmm. he could have done differently for most of those games. But the first game that we can probably say actually yeah there's a degree of accountability and responsibility from the dugout for how things have unfolded on the pitch and it could have been different and probably should have been different is that palace game yeah because you know there were other options in that start and lineup and other ways of approaching that game um and unfortunately you know it didn't play out and that feels quite detrimental i think we're probably at a point now where there was a hope that there's a hope that things would start writing themselves so Evan could help get themselves out of this a little bit more. But instead, the form of Luton, which is, you know, obviously they've had defeats recently, but they probably picked up more points than we all expected them to. That's exacerbated the situation along with the fact that Evan have just gone so long without winning the Premier League has also made things worse. So all of a sudden, you know, I think they've probably gone from hoping for points back to starting to think, actually, we need points back yeah. here. Yeah, and, not and, getting them on the pitch. and that's the thing. It's the same scenario that's played out in 2022 and 2023 isn't it you, you just get that impression when you you know listen to conversations with Daesh and, and players and you know the general atmosphere around the club it's the same as 22 and 23 albeit for completely different reasons yeah. and um when you're when you're in that position you know you, you're just under pressure yeah. fans feel it don't they uh, and also i guess the longer that you're in a relegation zone or in and around the relegation zone I mean, actually, the more that you start to begin to feel like you are a relegation threatened team rather than a team that's got eight wins and, yeah. you know, and, and 30 points, isn't it? Yeah. That, that, that that must have an impact because it would take yeah. some resolve to be two months on 
going going into this saying, oh, actually, no, we are mid-table side. We are mid-table side. We yeah. have two months on without a win. And the one, I don't think, like what I would say in relation to Deitch, I, I thought he was being genuine and open. And, and again, timing is, is awkward. And I think that's perhaps a, a situation to create for himself because I think sometimes he... He probably comes out of the maybe trying to protect the players, protect the dressing room, and obviously there are battles there that we don't see because we're not inside the club. We're not we're not privy to them in, in his mindset, and there'll be reasons for what he does. But obviously, if he'd been a bit more open on this a couple of weeks ago, then it you know amid the injuries or when things weren't looking as severe, or there hadn't just been a game like the Palace one, then there might be a, a degree more of acceptance of what he's saying. But I do think what he's saying is legitimate, justified. Um, you know, maybe could have said it earlier, but I think he he does make strong points, and I also think it's worth bearing in mind that whilst you know, obviously he says this after the Palace game, which was a was a bad night for Everton, mm-hmm. he was also adopting the same strategy when things were good. You know, he wasn't going when we had those four wins in a row. He wasn't going. This is galvanizing club. This is galvanizing yeah. players again. He took the same approach, so he has been consistent, just like he hasn't sought to, you know you know, give influence to the deduction on those wins and that run of form, you know, now it's, there's a consistent approach there. So I, I don't think it's necessarily excuse making. No. I can understand why it's read that way. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it's true. I said obviously Gav about the table because obviously the initial obviously the defeat to United, but there was the four wins in a row, and as Joe just said, two months now without um, the Premier League victory. Just looking at his actual quotes here, um, he says um, Deitch, I think the focus has been good, but the bit I'm talking about is the subliminal bits when you're driving your car and you're wondering, I can't control that. I can control the training program, health and well-being around that, what we do, but I can't control. There in a force again. It's going back to that other phrase he uses, controlling the controllables. But like you said, that it is an inevitability, and the, the, the people, like you said, you, you will change your actions because of this and your thoughts. Well, I think that the thoughts are because you're in you're in a relegation battle, and you yeah. you know we're looking at as you weren't doing properly before Christmas. Look at the results of other clubs, you yeah. know, and their fixtures. And well, I mean, know. how many of us were sitting there at half time at Anfield yeah. the other night thinking, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and I think. I think like that—that that is the thing, is isn't it? We, we're just in that in that same position, and, and I get what he's saying, but he, he couldn't do that last year to a degree, could he? In twenty twenty three, when you find you don't know how players feel like away from away from the pitch, um, and it, 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 it's pretty much in the, in the same boat. And I think he can only do what he can do. How? So I, I think that's the. I, I'm guessing here completely, but I think the. the the pressure on players is because they're in the relegation stuff, not not uh, oh, you know, I've got a real sense of, you know, anger because we've lost ten points. Yeah, I, th- I think I think I think there was that at the beginning. I think they yeah, yeah. But you accept that don't you yeah. really after a while and you adapt. I think I think I think the the, the, the thing is, is is it's the relegation thing. Because you can see the same thing with the fans, can't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean obviously the fans were up for, for Monday night, but it was almost a kind of it was hard to see you know, chicken and egg situation where you, you could see that there was a degree of concern and all of a sudden it's moving from anger at the footballing authorities to more kind of fear and trepidation, anxiety over what might be coming evidence where they can't sort things on the pitch and maybe that nervousness. Yeah. That nervousness was obviously exacerbated by the players who very quickly adopted a, a, a patterns of play which I think frustrated everybody and added to the sense and, you know, 
maybe it's, uh, whether it started on the on in the stands and moved on to the pitch or whether it started in the yeah. pitch and moved on to the stands is an interesting argument. But I think that you know, players, fans, manager, you know, the club, I think we're all actually in the same position here. I, I think that's a very good point, Joe makes because I, I you detected that on on Monday, didn't you? Whereas probably the home games for the previous the only home games you've had since the, the original commission, maybe four, five, six, I can't remember. Danger is very much on the terraces has been to the Premier League, hasn't it? And you know, I've had all mm. the you know, all the cards out and stuff. Um the anger on Monday was more directed towards the player, the manager, a lot more thought at the end of the game, and quite rightly so, and understandably so, because it was a poor performance. And in some respects, that's quite comforting to hear, because it means that we, we know where we stand. You know, we, 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 there's an element to where we stand. At, at the same time, it, it just shows that we, we, you know, the reality is that, you know, you can direct your anger to, to the Premier League, and quite rightly, and the, and the commission. But ultimately, you've got to... You, You've got to fight the battle on the pitch, haven't you? Really, and yeah. and that that is, and acknowledge where you are, and where we are is we're in a relegation battle. Like Rogan Pit, that may change, and it may change again, and may change again and again. But that's where we are, and and I think, I think that was a bit of a wake up call on Monday. Yeah. As a consequence, it's, like it is exhausting. Isn't yeah, because you know, when I think about this week, yeah, if you think for obviously us working around it and, and supporters and and for the players. Just this, just this week alone, and we're miles away from the end of the season at, at the moment. But you go Monday night, Everton go one 0 down to Palace. You're thinking, oh, I could get cut adrift here. Obviously, come back and get a draw. Tuesday night, you know, half time, it's nil nil. Man City, Brentford. You're thinking, oh, Brentford going to pick up a point yeah. and just move a little bit further here. Wednesday night, you got Luton winning Anfield at half time. All right, Everton got a point. Luton and Brentford both lost, but every night you're being hit with that in and around, aren't you? That stress, and you know, we, you know, football isn't life or death. It's not the most important thing in the world, but it is something that has a massive impact on all of our lives. And you know, just over the course of those three days in the middle of a week, there you're going. Like every single. Just time. to lighten this up for a second. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I can't believe this because. I just checked the full-time scores. I am not one of these people. I didn't know that Luton were 1-0 off at Anfield until that point, and I saw the final score. It was 4-1 Liverpool. I was like, okay, we're all copites that night. What a line to say on the Royal Blue podcast. But I, especially these tough seasons that Evan are going through at, at the moment, and we were talking about the games right at the end of last season. Was it Newcastle, Leicester, mm, 50 yeah. up there, and then Hearts and the Mouth stuff? I just checked the final score at the end of the game. And, and you know, good or bad, it is what it is. I don't live it. It's enough having to live the Everton games without having to see, oh, Luton are 1-0 up at Anfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, Far more discipline than I am. Just, Far more just, to, just to extend a little bit further, I play football from 8 till 9 on Wednesday. <clears> and you can hear, if Liverpool are playing at home, you can hear the roars of the, the crowd. Oh, right. I normally on here, they go, Scored, haven't he? And I've never been so comforted in my life. Yeah, like, more, in and like <laughs> he scored. That's good news, you know. Yeah. And, then, and then he scored again. I think shortly after yeah. thought, oh, and then and then he had the third one, yeah. thinking that is good news. Yeah. And um, but that's what happens, isn't it? We've had this the last the yeah. last two seasons, but I do think you know that this is where it's impacting on on the yeah. players and the club and the managers, isn't it? Where yeah. where the ten points have put us, not the ten point deduction. Yeah. Well, on a similar theme, Joe, another article you've done obviously there about um, the Fab, the Everton fans advisory board, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the the um, lesson that they've done now. Um, they have they've called for an end to the lingering uncertainty, which they believe is casting a long shadow over the club. 
I mean, this isn't just talking about the points addiction. This is about the, the ongoing uh, patrols, proposed takeover of the club, Triple uh, Seven. I mean, it's something you've been over now for a, a long time. I mean, at, when the statement was originally made at the in September, wasn't it? They that Farhad Mashiri agreed the sale of his entire stake of the club. They were expecting a decision by the end of the calendar year. Here we are now. We're, we're almost into March, and it's still not been resolved. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. Well, we now know that this was the case, but we probably all had a, a few suspicions that they were bullish projections for a result before Christmas. Yeah. They gave us a time frame that we've compared things for, but I mean, even at the time people were saying they would probably go into the new year, perhaps not to the extent that we, we thought it would do. Yeah, um, yeah Everton are just in this very unhappy position at the moment, are they, where there's just so much uncertainty. And, and then there's this strange kind of, irony to the fact that it's both the ball in both cases is essentially with the Premier League. I know it's an independent commission that is we're waiting on to deliver its verdict in relation to the appeal, but still the the culmination of a yeah. of a Premier League process. Um and yeah, I mean that's it was strong words from the Fab and and I think it's probably important to say it came after its you know its regular meeting with the club. Mm-hmm. A, a meeting at which you know, different people have different opinions on the, the fan advisory board. I, I think that a lot of very good people you know, dedicate a lot of time and effort to doing what they can to fight for fans in relation and to raise fan um, perspectives with, with with the club. And I think that's valuable. And you know, in this case, you can see they've been asking questions about the the club's finances um, in relation to things like the deduction and then the appeal, but also in relation to the 7-7 takeover, 7-7-7 takeover or attempted takeover. Now, yeah, they might not have got the answers that they're after, but I mean, that's something that all of us are struggling to, cur- to currently get at the minute. But I think the fact that they're mm-hmm. willing to kind of go out there and just break their silence, I think it's, you know, will it make a difference? I don't think so. I don't think, you know, the Premier League are going to spring into action because they haven't found advisory boards. Say this. But I think that, you know, what is fair to say, and I think they're doing a very good job of highlighting this is Everton are in an unhappy position at the moment where they seem to essentially be the test case for two different Premier League processes mm-hmm. and unfortunately in both they've probably highlighted that neither process is fit for purpose or completely fit for purpose now that we want the Premier League's fit and, you know the owner and director's test we want it to be as rigorous as it needs yeah. to be we, we want of course we want that I think the yeah, we've said it from the start, and I think we still do. We all have, or I certainly do have reservations about 777 and, and whether or not they're viable and suitable owners for Everton Football Club. So we want the scrutiny to be serious and to be applied properly. But there also has to be an end to the process. And, you know, my understanding is, you know, it's the last week the Premier League asked more questions to 777 in relation to funding and funding strategies for the next three years. I mean, we're, we're into the sixth month of the process now. I mean, surely that they were the first questions to be dealt with. If there's still concerns now six months on or five and a bit months on mm-hmm. over, uh, over over the sources of that then and over those those basic questions, and then that raises its own issues. You know, at some point, the, the purgatory's got to end and the decision's got to be made. And, you know, you wonder if there's an element almost of the police, of, of police I don't know where that came from, the Premier League, um, almost being too afraid to make a decision because they're almost not sure which way to go on this because that's you know for all the concerns about 777 yeah they, they've put more than 50 million pounds of junior yeah. debt into the club like there isn't a way of looking at that and not thinking that they are playing a significant role in in in, in paying the bills that are keeping everything going because why else would you take on that debt so you know it's it's a really I, you know i don't know what the answer on that is like i think 
you know, I have serious concerns over 777, but I also have serious concerns over what's happen if they didn't get approval. Yeah. But essentially what you get, you know, we are into a six month now, this lingering uncertainty is something that has a, you know, is casting a pal over the over the club and over the fan base at the moment. And it is something that for the future of the club, short term, long term, you know, it, it needs some certainty over. I have a seven seven we have a need to get to a point now and surely we must be close where the Premier League go to seven seven seven. Either your answers aren't good enough or they make a decision based on the information that they've got and you know, where that leads us, I'm not entirely sure. But you know, just like with the Premier just like with the, the points deduction again, you know, it's it's an appeal everything that the guinea pig in. And whilst they you know, we can talk long about how Everton have put themselves in a position where they've exposed themselves to this uncertainty and they've exposed themselves to being test cases in in these, you know, official regulatory protocols and you know, the club has to take some responsibility for that. You know, we're all kind of experiencing, I think, fatigue in relation to this, and I don't think it is in anybody's interests now for the eye of these processes to be to be dragging on. Mm. I mean, Gav, you've said in many ways is actually more important than the, the points reduction, but Evans seem to be capturing a rock and a hard place, including the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, far more important than the uh, Commission. Uh, this this issue, mm-hmm. um, as Joe was saying, I think the key thing here is is there's. There's two things going on, isn't there? Mm. At the same time, I can't help feeling that if there was no commission going on at the same time, that Evans' finance was okay, okay, whether they'd be getting taken over is a different thing. Just one decision the Premier League had to deal with, one thing, it would have been made earlier. Mm-hmm. I think the fact there's a commission going on and all the bad publicity that the Premier League has um, you know, engendered uh, for quite legitimately means that they are in a, between a rock and a hard place on, yeah. on this. I mean, they can't reject, they can only... They can only approve, can't they? But, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a grey area. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, one of the things I'm trying to work out at the moment yeah. and, and get it's, some clarity on is whether yeah. is whether actually the Premier League can ever actually just say yeah. no, yeah. or whether it's incumbent on the potential yeah. new owners to to prove that they're suitable. Yeah, and that's when it, and either prove it or walk away because they realise that they can't. I'm not yeah. quite sure on that. So, so the, the Premier League's rock and hard police position is mm-hmm. is they've got this test. That they've got a you know seven 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 got a pass, and they might think mm, not so sure about that. But actually, if we don't allow it, we're going to get a whole load of stick over the length of time it's taken, and the fact this is another way of if Everton if Everton really struggle financially as a consequence mm-hmm. of that, that we've been again part of that. So that you know the, the alternative to that is we we allow seven seven seven, but actually we don't really think they pass the owners owners test, yeah. and so they are in a rock and hard place. And and some of that I think is because of this commission going on simultaneously. If if that wasn't going on, then I think they probably would have made the decision earlier. I suspect one of the reasons for the delays as well is not that the Premier League's positions changed or Evans has the seven seven sevens position has changed. They may be, and we've all read the stories, you don't need to go there, that they may be a slightly different company in terms of their financial wherewithal last September than where they are mm. now, where they are in, you know, at the end of the year. So that might might have delayed things. But, you know, I, I, but I do think you can, when you throw all that into the mix, you can see why it's taken, taken so long. And the Premier League are in an awkward spot. Some would say that's good. You know, mm-hmm. more but has I don't think that's good at all because that, that that doesn't assist Everton whatsoever. And I think that's contributed towards it. I suspect the Premier League are trying to give as much opportunity for, for the 
for this to go through. Yeah. I, I, that's what your, your suspicion is. I don't think the delay is... At the end of the day, we, we want to be just whatever happens, we're not going to allow, allow it all. Well, not, not prove it. Um, I think they want to try and make sure that, you know, that, that, there's a, that the ownership thing goes through. But you suspect that 777 are making it difficult because of not, not deliberately difficult, but because of the state of their finances and stuff like this, that that is just prolonging the agony for everybody. And, and, and eventually everybody suffers there, don't they? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Just finally, Jules, on this point, um, there's, I think, a line in one of your pieces there that um, the Echo understands that Triple Seven's belief is that they have provided uh, the answers and the decision is ultimately in, in, in Premier League hands. Yeah, I mean, that's where Seven Seven stand. Their belief yeah. is that they've provided everything that they that they're going to provide, that they they think they've answered inadequately and they're basically waiting for the rubber stamp for the Premier League. They're saying that the ball is in the Premier League's court, essentially. Yeah, I yeah. think, you know, we've, we've spoken long and hard about this over the past six months or past five months and, and a bit that where the grey area comes in is if the Premier League, if there's a very realistic possibility of the Premier League thinking that we'd rather not allow 777 in. But having to weigh up a decision based on what the alternatives are and is it is it a straight test of seven 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 you know owners that could pass the, the the test and the scrutiny? Is is that the question? And it's a straight straightforward yes or no, or is it are they better than what is currently in place at the moment? And you know that's another question. And mm. if they start to go down that route, things become a little bit more complicated because you know it's one thing saying no to triple seven. If they say no to them, what then happens to the club is is another question. And I don't know if the Premier League even have that in their remit to think about it. I argue to some extent it's not their responsibility, but as a regulatory body that yeah. has a, a has a, a stake in the Premier League being as strong as possible, obviously the Premier League isn't going to want to see at a time when it's trying to fight off independent regulation as well. It's not going to want to see a club go into potentially administration or something like that if yeah, They're responsible for for the support ending that might be keeping some of the lights on, as well as as part of that's where the other the other thing comes in. The commission comes into it as well, having yeah. been part of the commission process, where Everton have suffered, um, you know, will suffer eventually financially from it if there's a points deduction as well. So I think the two things are interlinked and certainly contribute towards the uh, delay in the the ownership issue. Just as well, an add on to this, yeah. kudos to the club and the 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 fab. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some cynicism, and quite understandably so, over the role of the the fan advisory board and, and the club under the previous regime about that relationship. But you know, reading the comments yesterday, reading the minutes, and and the the people who were there present from Everton, I think it showed the commitments from from both parties, yeah. and and that was for for the common yeah, good. Colin and, Chong was there, and also yeah. Kevin Burwell. So I yeah. mean, there there is a degree of you know some of the most senior people at the club turning up to. Whether or not they can answer questions or should answer questions is another matter, but they're at least there to face the questions. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a good thing. And I think that's a, that's different from the previous regime where there was no so that somebody said they're going to turn up but didn't or whatever. And I think any owner who's going to come in, going to come in uh, subsequently, should take take a note of that mm. of what you know that you know the way Colin and and the the current people at the top of the shop at Evan have, have approached that meeting and um, how they've done previously in terms of dealing with, you know, and the relationship with the fan advisory board and, and kudos to the fan advisory board as well. Mm-hmm. It appeared to want quite rightly so a lot of the fan base over in terms of their, their role and 
and the jobs they've done, as you say, it's all spare, people's spare time and, and resource, and uh, well done to everybody. Yeah. On a brighter note, Joe, um, well, you and I spent um, all of last season going to various corners of the, the country watching a lot of uh, poor Everton results, but we went to Brighton and Hove Albion and that uh, was it the 8th of May and uh, watched an emphatic 5-1 um, victory. Um, same again. <laughs> I still don't know where that one came from. I still can't. You know, football's an absolute bizarre game. I mean, it's the beauty. It's why we love it so much. But where that came from, I don't know. I think that's probably... You would argue that Dyke's most important result was to win against Bournemouth, but probably the two most impressive performances that Evan have put under Sean Dyke is probably the Arsenal one in his first game when they won one there. Yeah. And then this going down to the annex and turning over this Brighton side as emphatically as they did. I think that it helps Everton right now to be away from home for a game. Maybe it helps that they are going to go and play against a side that will seek, that will genuinely seek to dominate possession. Mm-hmm. You know, for well discussed reasons, Evan, they tend to struggle when they dominate the ball. They're not going to do that against Brighton. But obviously, it's going to be a very, very tough game. A very tough game. Yeah. I mean, Gav, uh, you and I were talking about this beforehand. Actually, for all those great players and the great recruitment that Brighton have done, so hence why they're in the yeah. prominent position this last couple of years, <laughs> you, you think it might we might possibly be a good time to, to play them a few hours. It's got a few injuries, haven't yeah. they? Um, they have picked up form. They had a rugby spot before and after Christmas, didn't they, Brighton? They have picked up form and they've been scoring goals, haven't they? They scored five at Sheffield United twice and they've been Palace four, didn't they? Um, but I, 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 you'd expect to see, what would you say, guess, 75-25 possession. I think that the much. more... The, though there's a bit of positivity for me because we are better at home. Yeah. And I know what you're saying about how how the Brighton game last year, I think how weird did that happen? But subsequent away performance under Dice between the start oh, of the yeah, season and Christmas be. shows actually it wasn't necessarily a fluke that. Because yeah. we, yeah, we had five yeah. five away wins, wasn't it, or something? And also, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, there had been a, the away form notably improved on the Deitch very quickly. Yeah, yeah. So the 5 1 was an extreme example, but. Everton had started to score goals on the road and be more resilient on the road before that, hadn't yeah. they? So it was a, I mean, it was almost like it was a fast forward, wasn't it? But it followed a trajectory of improvement. Yeah, I think there was that stat before Chris was put out. That was only Gordon Lee scored more goals in his first 12 away matches oh. as a manager oh, really? with Dice. Yeah, wow. Gordon had 25, Dice had 21 yeah. in the first 12 away matches. So they did score goals. So it was, it did seem a fluke at the time. What did Gary Neville say when he had to give the like the shock of the season? <laughs> Evan, five. But subsequent away performances, as I say, um, in the rest of 2023, so that actually maybe wasn't as big a fluke as what you think. But I think tomorrow we're in a different place to what we were in May, mm. in that the three most important players that day, Calvert-Lewin, Decore, McNeil, are probably all in a different place for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Injury, fatigue, being out of form. Uh, that said, I don't think Brighton is as strong as what they were in, mm. in May. And it makes for an interesting contest, but I'm expecting to see a... a a uh, repeat of what, what happened at Goodison, but the thing with Brighton is they'll give you a chance. Yeah. They, you know, they, they even even last week against Sheffield United when it was two nil, Sheffield United they always felt still had a chance if they got one. And you, they, they, they're a great team to watch. I love the Zerbi, but they do give the opponents a chance. And most in the vast majority of their games, the opposition will score. Mm. And I think that's what you'll take into uh, into to tomorrow, really. Yeah, and whilst it's been a long wait for a win, if you look at some of the more recent away performances, obviously Wolves was a very bad one. Okay, we accept that. 
but Man City, they had Man City for 71 minutes. You know, that was a strong away performance yeah. until the inevitable happened. Yeah. Um, Tottenham Hotspur, very strong away performance. Probably doesn't, yeah. Probably deserve to win that, even though they lost. So, even Crystal Palace away in the FA Cup again. You know, obviously they drew that nil nil, but I thought they the better side in that game. In the last fifteen minutes, would take a chance to push on. The last fifteen minutes was taken away from them with a Dominic yeah. Alvarez red card, which obviously got rescinded. So, yeah, there 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 isn't any. And again, this is probably where I have sympathy for the idea that the deduction and the uncertainty of the appeal is affecting the players because. You know, again, it feels Everton are in a relegation battle as it stands. But even when you look back at recent results and performances, they're not. The Palace game was a bad game and a bad result, but still wasn't a defeat. That's still that was still a game they probably would have lost under Frank Lampard. Yeah, you know, still a game they probably would have lost eighteen months ago. So I mean, yeah, especially after going one 0 down. So things aren't things aren't thing. The reality isn't as bad as how things currently seem. But it's all amalgamated into one, and it's dragging the mood and the atmosphere and the positivity down, and that's where the problem yeah. is. At, at the same time, I get the dragging moods down and positivity, but the last two home games, you scraped draws with Betty Lee's equalised, haven't you, in both games? Which shows that the team's still, yeah, still yeah, fighting, yeah, doesn't course, it? Yeah, of course, yeah. You know, it's not as if they're down tools, yeah. which you suspect under Mr. Lampard, mm. they did, didn't they, really? Yeah. It's particularly towards the end, it, it's showing that, you know. And this goes back to the point at the start of the pod, isn't it? They are not a relegation team. They're effectively a lower mid-table yeah. team. And that's what you would expect a lower mid-table team to do. And um, and that's encouraging as well. Uh, for all the, 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 the stick they got from Monday, they still scraped the point you know, near to the death. And, and that, that was the benefit you took from that. And I think we can... That's the sort of thing you take into tomorrow. The difference between last May and now is we're scoring goals away from home. And we, we, at the end of last season, we're not scoring at the moment. We got unless it's a set piece, and that that's the concern you've got in comparing the two fixtures for me. I think the big thing that to look at almost more, what will be more talent than the results tomorrow is probably the relationship between Decorey and Calvert Lewin. You know, Calvert Decorey, like said, yes, he came through unscathed his return on, on Monday night. So you know, hopefully, he carried on building his fitness this week. It was still quite disjointed that relationship on 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 Monday. You know, Calvert Lewin needs Decorey as much as Decorey needs Calvert Lewin. Mm. They were the partnership that you know ha- that, that destroyed Brighton last time. You know, in the first few minutes, it was it was um, Calvert Lewin out wide across for for Dominic Calvert Lewin. So yeah, they were the reason everything was so effective last time at the Amex. So can we see some progress and some some development in that relationship? Bearing in mind it's a partnership that hasn't really played together for two months. Yeah, well, there we go. Let's come to the uh, crunch predictions time. Um, go on, you can go first, then Gab, because you'll just finish there. What are you going to go for? Although, I, I, I think we'll score. Yeah. I think it's a case of how well defensively we we um, counter Brighton, and whether we keep up. If she did for most of the game, didn't we? Goodison kept our shape well. Didn't really give them a lot of opportunities during the game. And if we if we we can uh, do that, then I I'm gonna stick me neck on, on the block here and say one all. Okay. I think we'll score that. Yeah. All right, okay, Joe. Two two. I'm gonna go for uh, yeah. I, one one two two. That's it. I I mean I'm I'm being optimistic. I think a draw would be a very very good result yeah. for a number of reasons. Um, like Gav says, I, I do think Everton can score against this team, and probably what's most telling is is the pattern in which the goals go in. But you know, fingers crossed. 
Well, I'll be even more um, optimistic to end this pod on a, on a high note. Um, last two seasons, Everton only won two away games last season. They only won two the season before that. Half of those wins have come at Brighton Hall Valbion. Maybe it's a lucky ground for the Blues. Um, 2-0 under Rafa, wasn't it? And then obviously the 5-1 there. So I'm going to be ultra um, positive and I'm actually going to say, where's this one going to come from? Not quite as good as last season. I say 3-1 Everton. And what a way to end the pod. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Let's hope so. We'll end it on that note. Thank you. Um, You've had Gavin Buckland. You've had Joe Thomas. You've had myself, Chris Beasley, your host. And this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.